this week on Dig Me Out. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Digny Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, Jay, we've got a member joining us from the other side of the globe. He's been, he, he's been here before. He's back again. Episode, I don't know, this is probably episode 45 or 50, somewhere in that range. <laughs> Roughly one third of all episodes feature this man. His name is Gavin Reed. Welcome back, Gavin. Thank you. Yeah, I think it, it's a quite a few, at least, uh, suggestion wise, and a few mm-hmm. that I've been on now. Apologies to everybody who can see this. This is not a disguise. <laughs> Where G- Gavin is a, a public service announcement for wearing your sunscreen right now. Yes, yes that's right. I have to go to a party after this, and people are going to be. Uh, I, I freaked out a delivery guy yesterday. So. You should wear a clown nose, <laughs> and then take it off, diamond. and scare and like you go up to a child and say, "Want to see my nose?" And you take it off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally, it was a children's party. You say, "Get a dog up, ah." <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Enough, enough tomfoolery. Uh, what album have you brought to us for your first pick of 2023, Gavin? Um, okay, so to continue, I guess, in the Traitors series where I pick un-Australian albums, um, we have the Gits, Frenching the Bully, which I believe they originally started in Ohio, so I assume that both of you know them personally. <laughs> right we're we're very close yeah uh not actually our part of ohio but uh, yeah where is yellow springs um so that's southwest so near dayton right yeah it's closer to dayton it's part of the dayton area um yeah. and it's where uh, mia zapata who is the lead singer of the gits uh went to college and that's where the gits started well, she she enrolled in '84, and then the band formed in '86, and then I guess they would have graduated in '88, and the following year they moved out to Washington. Uh, how did you come upon this album? Um, I'm a I guess a bit of a late discoverer, so I can show you how I came upon this: the Home Alive compilation that came mm-hmm. out to sort of raise money for the investigation into Mia's murder, who which we will get into. Um, that's where I found them the first time, which makes me a bit embarrassed because I think I should have found them beforehand. They're so in my wheelhouse, but um, yeah, there's 92 things didn't travel that quickly across the seas. Sure, I can understand. And this was on a small label too. I was released November of 92 on CZ Records, which is um, the label of... Chris Hanzik and Tina Cassell. Uh, that's the album that we did very long time ago. The Deep Six compilation came out yep. on CC Records, um, and a key, you know, Northwestern uh, punk label put out a lot of important records to that area. I Jay, we were going to talk about this, and then you cut me off in the in the pregame. <laughs> uh, I remember, like on MTV News, like breaking, yeah. you know, Mia Zapata's. Oh, okay. murdered that kind of stuff it was on, it was on like mtv news because seattle was such the focal point even though they weren't a big band in comparison to nirvana and pearl jam and Alice in chains and soundgarden but because she was part of the scene i remember like it came up like the next day um but i never checked out the band right so what is, what's your history with the band and, and the history of this band I didn't really become aware. I mean, maybe I had heard that at the time, but it kind of passed by me. I didn't really become aware until the hype documentary. Okay. Which spot put a pretty good spotlight on a lot of the late eighties, early nineties Seattle bands, like 
it gets. And uh, they talked a bit about her um, in that. And then later on, so there, there was a documentary, right? At some point in the late 90s. Um, so specifically about her and the investigation, yes. Okay. Um, so around that time, well, I guess it would have been later than that. I um, I come to f- find out that I worked with Matt Dresner, the bass player. Oh. So huh. he uh, worked at the same advertising agency I worked at in the early 2000s. And I passed by him hundreds of times in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody I work with, I think at some point was like, hey, did you know Matt was in a band? I was like, no, what band was he in? He was like, oh, he's in the Gits. I was like, what? And I started piecing it all together. I was like, why is there a guy from Seattle working in an ad agency in Columbus, Ohio? How is that possible? Like, and then I realized they're from Yellow Springs and sort of made more sense. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a bit of odd coincidence of things coming together. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's how I know the band. Yeah. And, and the hype documentary for people who don't know. That came out in 1996. It's a really good primer if you haven't seen it on the Seattle scene because it gets into stuff before everything broke and with bands like Tad and uh, yes, they're perfect. You've got it right there. Gas Huffer and uh, the Fastbacks, Mono Men, those kind of bands. And then um, it does cover this. And one of the things I remember like them talking about is like, this when this happened, you know, everybody was sort of on cloud nine in Seattle because like labels were coming in and signing bands and people were really hyped to go to see shows and everything was amazing. And then this happened and it was like, it was like they all grew up very fast, realizing like their inner circle of friends is not immune to, you know, violence and, and, uh, death. So, mm-hmm. um, I remember that very clearly and that that was, they talk about like then the fatigue in in Seattle and people like actually leaving to go somewhere else because you can't even get noticed in Seattle. Um, I haven't watched the specific documentary that's about, it's called the Gits movie. Yeah, I think so. Yep. That came out in 2005 um, and it was at, the Seattle Film Festival, and then it was later at 2007 by South by Southwest. Um, and you can get that on DVD now. It's on YouTube. Uh, so a little bit about the band. As mentioned, they formed in uh, Yellow Springs, Ohio, and then moved out to Seattle um, in 89. And their first album which is the one we're talking about, Frenching the Bully, came out in 92. They did start on a second record. I don't know how much it was completed, um, but they were working on another record called Enter the Conquering Chicken. That ended up being released in 1994. Can I, I jump in there? Yeah, go ahead. Um, this is actually their second album. So the first one... Um, it is? Came in, yeah. Um, the first, there was a, like a tape release, but it was a full album prior to this. Um, and this album and that album share four songs, um, hmm. which I think will go some way towards talking about the sound and the differences in some of the, I guess, um, maturity of the songs on this. Um, and then, yeah, the other one was Posthumous and um, Mia's nickname was The Chicken, hence Enter the Conquering Chicken. Gotcha. Mm. Huh, on, on, um wikipedia they don't mention an earlier album so 88 i think that came out got it and they had a number of um you know seven inch singles and appearances on um compilations and whatnot in addition to their albums um i looked and i didn't see that any of the band members went on to really do anything significantly um after that uh, I mean, they played in some bands here and there, but it doesn't look like 
any of them went on to like like nobody like went and joined love battery or anything like that you know what i mean <laughs> well they did do the evil stig band with joan jett oh okay i don't know about that what's that yeah they, they reformed uh and did an album with her and then the tour is like a combination of her material and new songs and evil stig is that gets backwards or it gets live backwards oh got it okay well so the dancing french liberals of 48 came after this which is everybody except the obvious um and while like you say is not well known it's pretty easy to find and it's pretty good oh okay over at patreon we posted a poll and asked for comments on this uh this record and we will get to the uh, poll at the end of the show but let's talk about the comments Darren Leach said, love the rawness and the DIY feel, but by the second half of the album, it's sounding a bit samey. Uh, Steven John said, this is a band that has been on my radar for a long, long time now. I'm a huge seven-year bitch fan, and their second album is titled Viva Zapata in tribute to the Gets lead singer. Uh, anyway, I gave this thing two spins this morning, and I absolutely love it. It called to mind Phantom Blue, shout out to a past review, as well as a modern band, a mill and the sniffers the latter of which i must which i simply cannot recommend enough if anyone is listening digging this record a mill is a must is i am i saying that right is it a, a mill or amel amel yeah amel, amel and the sniffers yeah. amel and the sniffers of course i can't pronounce that correctly also <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and agree with gavin in that gavin does have great picks thank you friend you're a gd legend Keeping it clean, even though I, I just used a swear word before. <laughs> but I want the uh, I want the kids to be able to enjoy this. <laughs> I don't you kids. Wait, there's you know, there's some 12-year-old out there who's itching for some 90s music podcast music mm. reviews. We can uh, super obscure 90s music. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there exactly. Let's get into this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Frenching the Bully by the Gits. Mia is a she's a powerhouse vocally, you know her. She's got a ton of depth, I think, in her voice. She's got this raw, raspy tone. Super emotional singer. You know she can do stuff that's a little croony and deeper. She can also lay into it and really, you know, do a punk song and, you know, not, I wouldn't say a scream, but like a really uh, intense you know, high volume vocal, not in some ways, I guess, similar to, you know, we've reviewed a couple female singers now this year and Courtney Love and Brody Dahl and uh, in our 2000s episodes. And she, I think, separates herself a little bit more. There, there's something a little bit more unique about how she phrases things and how she sings. Um, that sets her apart. I think you hear it in uh, It All Dies Anyway, Kings and Queens, Another Shot of Whiskey when she gets that chorus and she lays into it. It's, it's legit. Like it's, it's separating itself from the music. You know, she's really cut my skin, makes me human is another example where she just gets to this place where it sounds like the band's not even able to keep up with her. You know, she's just like pushing the guitars aside vocally and establishes this, her own kind of rhythm and pattern. And it's like melodic, but sometimes also spoken. Um, she's varying up like, you know, times like really delivering a lot of words. Like there's this urgency to it sometimes. And like, She's got things to say and she's going to say them regardless if they fit in the space or not. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me, um, not, not musically that this is similar at all, but, you know, I think with kind of how the Manic Street Preachers sometimes do phrasings where you're just like, they just had to get these words in. Like, they don't give a shit if they fit perfectly, you know, right in with the rhythm of the guitar. Like, they're going to figure out a way to say them. I get that sense from her too. It's just like some of the material here, like she's just on fire and has a message and a story she's trying to tell. And, you know, it's kind of just pushing the band aside and really belting it out. Uh, I think in that too, it's just, there's an authenticity to her. You just believe everything she's singing. 
right? There's not nothing on this record. Just she's singing that you're like, eh, I don't know. That sounds a little cliched or like, she's just filling space. Like every word she's saying, you're like, it, you know, it, it has conviction behind it. Uh, so I think she's the star of the record. I also like the guitar tones and style here because it hits that sweet spot. What I think of is like authentic grunge in that it's melding classic rock metal and punk together in a very unique way and almost like a seamless way, you know, where it's the rift is kind of melded together and the parts are kind of melded together where it becomes this new thing. But when you break it down, you know, there's, there's some guitar leads on guitar uh, riffs on here and stuff where you're like, oh, that could almost be like, you know, that, 12 seconds or something. I could hear that almost being like a maiden riff. <laughs> and then they get to another part and you're like, oh, that totally sounds like Nirvana or like a, you know, a punk song. And they get to another part and you're like, ah, that's a guitar solo. It's pretty like shreddy. Like that could be a metal guitar solo, you know? So there's what I think of is, is like the pure grunge sound, which is those kind of like three forms of almost like suburban rock coming together in this really like, raw garagey you know straightforward manner that exemplifies to me like when you say grunge this is one of the if you listen to the guitars and kind of the drum sound on this record and the way they play i think very much fits in that genre well so that's some of the stuff that i liked what about you tim well i agree with you on mia zapata she's the star of the show in terms of having just a super powerful voice. And I was really struggling to make a comparison because the natural thing you want to do is, well, what's another female singer she reminds you of? Yep. And I realized she doesn't remind me of a female singer. She reminds me of a male singer. And that's Eric Davidson from the New Bomb Turks. Hmm. There's a lot about this band that reminds me about of the Turks, especially when you get into songs like Spear and Magic Helmet, which are just like straight up hardcore punk songs. In the way that Eric Davidson would like deliver these rapid, you know, fire lyrics, there was also a little bit of like bluesiness sometimes to his vocal, yep. which she has as well. The natural thing is to compare it to like Janis Joplin because she's got like the husky voice and can really wail. But um, in terms of, I mean, that would be a contemporary of her too. Would be would be um, the New Bomb Turks. So yep. that that was the one, especially on the, the really up-tempo stuff. Now, there's the times, like you mentioned, where there's more of a, I guess you'd say, an 80s grunge sound that reminds you of, like, Green River in some mm -hmm. spots. Um, and that works, that works well, too, because it lets, her, it lets her have a better shot at making an interesting melody. Sometimes the punk songs go by so fast, and it's just a shout. There's almost no... Uh, you know, there's not much variation in which and mm -hmm. how she's delivering it because it's going by so quickly. In some of the other ones, she gets a chance to like craft some interesting melodies and some hooks and deliver on them, like another shot of whiskey, like you mentioned. The I like the product. I feel like this um was probably recorded in like sections because some of it sounds a little bit different. I don't know if you noticed that, but like some of the stuff at the beginning of the record sounds different than the back end of the record. And some of it sounds spectacular. Like it's so loud and in your face. 
And then there are other spots where like, I swear the drums are like mixed lower on certain songs. Like they don't punch as hard on the back half. I don't know what the situation was recording this. I mean, they were recording for a small label. I can't imagine they had a huge budget or anything to, to do that. So they might've been piecemealing together recording sessions rather than blocking out, you know, a month or whatever. Um, it says it was recorded over 91 and 92. So it's entirely possible that um, that was the case. It was produced. I didn't mention this, but uh, Steve, B- Steve Fisk was one of the producers on this. Oh, nice. Along with a guy named um, Scott Benson, who does not have a Wikipedia page. So I don't, uh, unless he was in the band and I don't remember that he was in the band. Was he in the band? Let me double check. Nope. No. no. So I don't know who he was. So yeah, I, there's a, a lot to like about this record. Gavin, you picked it. So clearly you have some admiration for it. Tell us what you liked about it. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, as I said, I came to this via the hype, um, sorry, hype, um, Home Alive, um, which was all about her. And there is every grunge band you've mentioned there, Nirvana, Soundgate, they're all on this. And the Gits, I didn't actually know who she was or that the Gits were her band. And the standout album, and that's a standout song on that, which is a double album, is um, Second Skin. Second Skin just jumps off this as, I mean, I don't understand how that didn't become a massive song i guess only because nobody heard it um so that really got me in and then at the time this was not an easy album to find um out here it wasn't really printed that much it went out of print um for a while i think um the earlier stuff and then the later stuff it was just not that easy to find and you know back in that day we were all chasing the next thing and it probably went aside a bit it was only once the internet came about and i was able to download some mp3s that i was able to get you know properly into this um, one of the things I really like about it is that, um, and this sort of goes in, it's, it's interesting to have the whole review and the distillers review to make this kind of like a trilogy there. Um, because while I enjoyed the whole Riot Girl thing, I don't think that there's many of the bands from Riot Girl, from the Riot Girl scene, that many of us would now sit down and just play in a whole album of start to back. Um, whereas I think this and um, Distillers and Hole and um, then bands like L7 and that, which I guess weren't, they were more a rock and roll band than they were a, a Riot Girl band, are bands that I love um, and can listen to all the way through. I think I love when a um, female vocalist really emotes in that way. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that was what drew me in initially. And then every like the more and more I listen to it, so I, I think there's a couple of songs that are if you just play this for the first time, I think Second Skin stands out. I think Another Shot of Whiskey stands out. Um, and then I think It All Dies Anyway probably is, is the other one that really people will connect with quickly. I just love the, and I think you've both said it, authenticity is is the key word for this band. Um, she means it. You can hear it in every fibre of her vocal. She means it. Um, and, yeah, she's got a lot to say. I don't know. Did anyone read through the lyrics for this? I did read some of them, yeah. There's more lyrics in some of these two-minute songs than there is in November Rain. Like, <laughs> she does not fuck yeah. around with with how much she's jamming in there you know it's like a it's like a manifesto that she's trying to get out you know mm-hmm. she's got i think a lot of them might have been poems i think she does some poetry on this album uh sorry on the home alive album um so i think a lot of that's where it comes from and i you know she's just gone i'm, I'm putting it all in just you, you guys figure out how to make that sound good 
yeah there it's definitely um the most words per minute or words per song <laughs> that we've had in, in quite some time uh there's there's not an economy <laughs> going on um i did you know the lyrics caught me here and there and i did want to then go and check like what she was reading about also um so the, the track at the end of the record here's to your fuck uh which rocks also kind of reminded me of cosmic psychos because of that like big sound uh yeah. like the big bass and all that kind of stuff uh but also because of the song hooray fuck like that was in my mind <laughs> for some reason when i was and that's essentially i guess uh in reading the lyrics um a breakup song but also a like going after the girl that slept with her boyfriend it looks sounds like from the lyrics um, do you know where the title comes from here's to it says the lyrics are you're full of shit just suck here's to it baby here's to your fuck so the the title <laughs> of that song is from um blue velvet um and uh-huh. what's his name frank um, yeah the lead character cheers as somebody uh, when they're disagreeing about something, he cheers them and goes, well, here's to you, fuck. Here's to your fuck. Um, you know, because he says a lot of things in that manner in that film. That, that's where that comes from. And I think they've then that That phrasing? On. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the rest of the lyrics are, I mean, these would these are like gangsta rap lyrics. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is like Tupac going after Biggie stuff yeah. here. This is, it is, but I did find her lyrics interesting. Like, you know, a song like Insecurities is a very vulnerable lyric. And you didn't have, a, you had a lot of people singing about, um, you know, internal struggles, the grunge and, and the later in emo. Um, but phrasing it the way she does in that song, it is very poetic. I'm thinking of like second verse. Uh, when you're pushing me away, you're scared to get too much. When you're playing your jester, well, I guess you ought to, or else it mirrors a flaw that lie that'll lie in you. Uh, I mean, these are very poetic lyrics. That song is credited, to, at least in Apple Music, to Derek Grant. Huh. Just, I'm just realizing that. Uh, it doesn't say anything on Wikipedia. Yeah, That's yeah, interesting. On Let me check. Uh, let's check the other place. Yeah. Doesn't say anything on suicide machines. No insecurities. I know the Derek Grant mm-hmm. is in the band Suicide Machines. Oh, they were around there, weren't they? Seattle. No, no, they, they that was before. This is before their time, right? Yeah, yeah. In in Discogs, it's it says that it's lyrics. Well, it says lyrics by Zapata, as all the oh. other songs. I don't know. Yeah, that, I've seen that on line before that's not the first time that apple music or spotify or somebody has the wrong credit Um, there is there is a there is a suicide machine song called insecurities maybe they just got the songs mixed up yeah came out in 96 Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Well, they go into a kind of a what it feels like a standard kind of punk approach, which to me I'll define by when she is in lockstep with the band, um, both rhythmically and melodically. 
it's way less interesting to me. Uh, so songs like these are the songs where they're not there. So Absinthe, sh- Another Shot of Whiskey, Slaughter, Bruce, Kings and Queens, It All Dies Away, Cut My Skin, It Makes Me Human, and Second Skin. I think she's finding her own space. And even though the band's still pretty intense, there's a little bit more variety there. And I think she's able to find herself much more in those songs. Like I hear a really unique sounding band and a really compelling singer on other songs like Wingo, Lamo, Spear and Magic Helmet, you know, while you're twisting, even insecurities, like things get a little too samey and it just doesn't sound like a unique band to me. It's not bad, right? I'm not like, uh, I'm just fading on those songs and Mm -hmm. It could be anybody. Like if you if you pulled those songs up and played them, I I wouldn't know who it was. If you played some of those other songs, I would immediately be able to say, "Oh, this is the game." So I, I just think there's some material here that's not as sophisticated, maybe. Or another way to think about it is just not putting her in a place where I think she really can be unique and compelling. Um. So that's my biggest issue with the record is just the inconsistency there with some of the material and um, maybe not always pushing as far as it as it can. Yeah, I agree with you. And like I mentioned, um, when we were talking about what we liked, her vocal has less room melodically to move in the more straight up punk hardcore songs. I also don't think from a musical standpoint, like they're not really bringing anything new to the, to the idea of what you can do. Right. You know what I mean? Like they sound like hardcore punk songs. Yeah. You know, they're, I wish they had maybe played with them in some way. I mean, they even do like some hardcore punk, like kind of cliche stuff, like where you start the song slow and then you get into like the double or, you know, and then it boom goes in or like there's a double timed, bridge or something like that or whatever like those are such predictable hardcore things that i just didn't need to hear them especially when you when you show off that you can do things that are more interesting more dynamic um and i don't know what you know where they were going with regards to the second album if it was just going to be more of like a mix or if they were going to refine this even more but i feel like that would have been the way to go what about you gavin uh is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record um not not really but if if there's any complaint and it was already in the comments is that it can be a bit samey i don't find it samey when you when you really sit with it and give it a few listens particularly on headphones i think it separates um but i think at times it can struggle to get out from under its own weight like every song is about bad things that have happened to her or bad things that are happening in her life. And every song pretty much has just an abundance of lyrics. Um, While the guitar, like you said, is is good. I did find a lot of it to be that kind of um, just what I would call punk rock rhythm guitar. It's just chugging away there in, in the, in the background. There's not a lot of leads or breakouts for the actual musicians. Yeah. Cause there isn't space with all those words. Um, Lyrically. I, 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 I think it's the, some of the foretelling on this album, considering what happened, is spooky. So I'll, I'll just, these are all from different songs. Um, she said, is death the only way to get attention? Death is the sickest way for attention. Um, then she's got, there's a word where it's, well, there's a song on um, Spear and Magic Helmet has the lyric, raped her and left her in an alleyway. Hmm. Um, and then on one of the others, she said, um, I can't set it free. I can't make any sense of it unless it's in a song. Like this is so literal. Yeah. Um, and it's all very much. And the weird part is from watching the doco, her life doesn't seem to be a tormented life. Like if you read all the lyrics on this, you're like, Oh God, what did her father do to her? Or, you know, an ex-boyfriend or whatever, but her father's supportive of her moving to Ohio to be in a, you know, punk rock band. 
you know, at the age of 18 or 20 or whatever it is, which traditionally a father wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, and there's no, and everybody in the town seems to love her, as you can witness from the home alive and who got on board. There doesn't, I've, there's no bad words to be said about Mia. And yet everything on this album is about how horrible things are. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and it does, also, like like you were saying about the recording um, being early, and I think some of the like some of the songs are written well before this, and they, I think they haven't developed them as much. So I think from the '88 and then into '91, '92, they were touring Europe, um, and they they had Seven Year Bitch coming in behind them. So Seven Year Bitch were their friends who they taught how to play and loaned them their instruments. Mm. And by the time they got back, Seven Year Bitch had actually overtaken them, you know, in a popularity sense. Um, and I feel like this album, if you, if you gave it another re-record and they did all the songs again and you gave them a producer, I think some of this stuff could really shine and separate um, and maybe just take a couple of things out and just I think you could make something really amazing out of this, but it feels a little bit immature and it's um, finishing finishing off. Yeah, I concur. As far as, you know, what would it, what would make some of these songs work a little bit better i don't mean to be a cliche like guitar head but like if there was a second guitar player like what happens in the helicopters on some of these up-tempo songs where you get these like blazing leads Mm -hmm. if you could find the right spots in those songs to do that i think that would add a ton to it um but I understand that, that cuts into like the hardcore ethos of kind of what they were doing. Um, so you either got to go all the way or, or not. You kind of can't, <laughs> can't have that. I, and I, I do wonder, you know, you mentioned reading into the lyrics, like if nothing had happened, would this album be forgotten? Like, is, is, is it good enough place. on its own to warrant discussion? Or would it have just been another Seattle band that didn't make it? That's what I kind of like struggle with in terms of some of the stuff's really good and she's really good, but is it really all like together the the complete package? It, well, it sounds like the yeah. oh, go ahead. You go, go again. Well, that that was my discussion when I brought up Riot Girl, because I feel a lot of that music doesn't get through unless it's got a scene to be attached to. Mm-hmm. Like without the without the scene, or just on their own, those bands aren't you know. And sorry, given the name of the podcast, but not very good. Um, whereas I think this personally does stand alone and could it doesn't need a scene because it isn't it isn't grunge. It's close. It's not punk. It's close. Um, it's a little bit of hardcore. You know, it's it's a little bit garagey at times. But I, I think it stands on its own personally. This feels like a. Um... I mean, I realize it's not their first record, but it it sounds like a first record where you hear some real promise. Like mm-hmm. the band's not quite there yet, but man, you can hear some stuff on here where they could take it to a place that's really amazing. Like and then and make a top to top to bottom, you right. know, killer record. If they have more time, like you said kind of get the right producer just just continue to like i know i'm noticing some of the songs that are like where they they write them together they're more collaborative those are stronger than the ones that are written by individual members that's telling me maybe a little bit of like that's you know the evolution of the band as they're playing more together they're getting better they're writing becoming better songwriters they're learning how to play with each other so it sounds promising and i think it had she not been murdered you know what is a full on, you know, another record or another two records, you know, they certainly would have had because of what was going on in music, they certainly would have had runway, right? Either yeah. in this form of the band or maybe a different form of the band, or right. It's hard to imagine that she doesn't continue to make music. And I mean, this band, you know, continue to make music even without her. So it's easy to see based on this, like what the potential could have been had these pieces and parts stay together in some way. They were actually signed to Atlantic four days before the murder. Oh man. Um, so they were probably on the verge of making that album. And I think had that have happened and had everything gone well, 
this might you might look back and this was their bleach. I was gonna yep. say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good call. Great minds thinking alike. <laughs> um so I don't remember. I you know, I was looking to see if this made any sort of impact when it came out. I don't see where like I'm sure this was on college radio, but I, this this was not getting promoted the same way that like the grunge fans from Seattle were in 92. I mean, this is right after Nirvana breaks Pearl jams now, you know, all over the place because of a live and even flow man in the you got man in the box. I'm forgetting sea of sorrow. And you know, that's getting played and uh, you know, Soundgarden's still relevant. And then the single soundtrack comes out and like, it's all very polished in a different way that this is polished, but not quite in the same way that those bands are polished by this point. Right. Especially Nirvana. I mean, Nirvana's record is perfect for radio at this point. Well, let's get into our overall rankings um, for the record. We'll share the Patreon results in a moment, but Jay, where do you land? Is this a worthy album, a better EP? Or a decent single. I'm gonna land at a worthy album. Uh, I do think it could. And a lot of these songs are pretty short, but it is 13 tracks. This feels like a a 10 to 8 track band to me. Like, just because there's so much, the lyrics are so heavy. Like Gavin said, there's so many like lyrics and words. It's very intense uh musically you know i just i think it would work so much better if the man they just came in punched you in the face and got out Mm -hmm. and i feel like a little bit with the samey-ish punk vibe of some of the material here that's a little bit older and you know it could just use a little trimming i think drop a couple of those tunes and i think it becomes a very different experience that said the more I'm spending time with this record, I'm liking it more and more and more. And I think she's just such a unique singer. Uh, this is, I would think in the catalog, based on what we talked about, I want to sample probably the best you're going to hear from her. And uh, I think for that, it, it warrants a worthy album in my book to be able to just sit down and just experience what she was about. And just, you know, some of these songs I think are really cool. So I'm at a worthy album. Where are you at, Tom? Yeah, I mean, this is a 30-minute record, and it goes by so fast. For as much as I would like to hear them evolve, I mean, this is a pretty good document of of a really interesting band, that, especially because of Mia Zapata's, you know, her vocal, her lyrics, her whole presence, her whole personality is, is a really interesting um, person in this, in this scene that we've, you know, talked about a lot. But uh, there is no one like her that uh, that comes close. And um, yeah, I think e- even if you're just curious for a historical standpoint, I think you'll get something out of this record um, just because of how good she is. So, yep, I agree. It's a worthy album. Gavin, make that three for three. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely a worthy album for me. Um, again, back to the whole Distillers trilogy, I would like to point out Kurt Cobain did not write this album um, <laughs> and Jack Irons did not drum on it. So <laughs> it separates them itself from those for that reason. Um, but, yeah, worthy album. Um, to a degree, I like that it's raw. I would have loved to have seen what they did next as much as I would love to have seen what Nirvana did after In Utero. Do they get louder? Do they get artier? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have seen what they did next, but one of the things I love about it is that when you look back now, all the bands from that scene that did continue got more boring, and you can never accuse this band of being boring, you know. So it stands there as just a furious um, document of what was going on for those people at those time for a, in a brief moment, um, and I love it for that reason. Okay, well. The folks at Patreon, they were split 50-50 between a worthy album and a better EP. So we're on the um we're on the worthy album side. We'd be tilting that that poll 
in that direction if if we were contributing. Perhaps Gavin did. Do you vote in your own polls? Of course I do. Of course. Excellent. <laughs> I'm still on with it. I only just discovered that on the other polls you can vote for more than one album, which is, you know, I didn't know it was a two-party preferred system. So um, it's a ranked choice. That. Yeah. Uh, did we get a result? Oh, we did. I see in our other poll there was went down to the wire. We'll, we'll share the results of that in our next episode. But the February album tournament was it was on fire. It was back and forth and didn't know where heavy, that was going to land. Heavy lobbying going on as well. It, there was there was like slanderous uh, accusations <laughs> towards the bands themselves that they had no way of defending themselves from the, there was all sorts of craziness in the, in the discord, uh, which you can join by joining us at Patreon. That's the standard plug, but Gavin, thank you for bringing this. This is a, not only is it a cool record, but it's definitely a document of the nineties that, I think to understand a lot of the intricacies of what was happening, like you need to hear this record and know about this band because they're an important part of that scene, but also like what happened around them, what happened after this with like you mentioned the home alive compilation with all the bands involved in that. And it started a whole, uh, it's like a whole uh, nonprofit now that exists and has, has for over 25 years. Um, so thank you for bringing this and we will look forward to your picks, uh, later this year as well, which I know you've already made, but I will not spoil them. If you want to but tease them, this is the time anyway. you could, you're going to change them. I might be changing one of them. Uh, one of them, definitely not. And I've plugged it to the, 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 uh, noughties, uh, one I've plugged to death. So every, uh, on not under the banner of this is what's coming up but just historically so everybody shouldn't be surprised at that one okay um should you you'll need your you won't need your soft ears um the other one i'm I'm halfway in between two so we'll see okay well you got time i got time depending i did the uh no the what was it there was an instrumental album suggested the other day but it didn't get up so okay that's good Oh, you're going to bring us some soft jazz, (laughs) Larry Carlton. Yeah, I was going to play along. I was going to improvise to the episode. Oh, that would be sweet. Live (laughs) improvisation while we review the record. Gavin, just review as a scat. Just going to explore the space. (laughs) Uh, If you would, if you would like to be like Gavin and suggest an album or be a part of our community at Discord, you can do so by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. That's where you go to vote in the polls, like the one for this episode or for our album tournaments that happen every month. 27 albums enter, six albums make it to the final round, and one gets reviewed. I can tell you, I, I'll, I'll tease the next episode. I'll say the final round went to uh, these six records. Filters, title of record, Jesus Jones's Doubt, Our Lady Pieces, Happiness is Not a Fish You Can Catch, Elliot U.S. Songs, Semisonics, Great Divide, and Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, 101 Dalmatians. One of those records is our next review. Who will it be? Squeaked out by one vote. <laughs> it was quite the uh quite the battle so it'd be possible to put a dot next to bands that you've already reviewed a record of in those polls because <laughs> there's so many now that i start to forget them because you did review carter i think we did we yeah. did a carter or, and yeah. an our lady peace record yeah, yeah and we talked about semi-sonic with jacob schlichter so yeah. really filter jesus jones and elliot were the only like new entries technically um what else is there oh uh 
the box newsletter. You can read it at Patreon. You can also sign up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's our weekly newsletter that comes out every weekend with a review calendar or a new release calendar plus new reviews of 80s, 90s, and aughts relevant albums, documentaries, books, TV shows, uh, short films, long films, medium length <laughs> films, <laughs> extra long films, double films. There's no such thing as like you, you have double albums, but there's no such thing as a double film. Mm, we don't need that. No. Nobody has time for that. This, this movie is four hours split into two. I guess that's Marvel, like Marvel movie. Do Marvel does that, I guess, with yeah. the Avengers and stuff. All right. That wasn't a new idea. Never mind. Scratch it. <laughs> Scratch. Uh, and lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback for this podcast. Gavin, I hope you're having a beautiful Saturday uh, morning, afternoon, whatever time it is. What is it? Morning? Yep. Uh, it's just well, it's twelve, so we're yeah, we're afternoon now. Yeah, afternoon we started at the middle of the afternoon, and the kids just crashed into the door. Um, yeah, with um, I'll just quick plug. Um, Steve was absolutely right. With if you like this, get onto Amel and the Sniffers, and get onto Wax with a double A. Oh, not the Wax California band. This is a different Wax. Yeah, W W double A X sounds like an airport. Wax. <laughs> Yeah. For a radio station. W A A X. Wax radio. Wax on. Wax off. Wax off with us at Wax on Radio. W A A X. That's what they would do. They would do some bad pun. Yeah, Tim Wax off. Right. Exactly. Wax off all day long. W A A X. Okay, we gotta wrap this up. This is bad. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Surprise!